Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. Hello, Melina. (laughs) What is up? What is up? So this episode is going to be the third episode of my new podcast, The Inner Work. And the episode of (laughs) All That and Mo. Yay! It's a two for episode. <laughs> I have no idea what number I'm on. Seventy something, sixty something. Amazing. I lost a couple months when I did the opera. Right. You want to talk about like rearranging your life? I really thought that I was going to have the bandwidth for it, and it wasn't that I didn't have the time. It was that I could not do it. You're probably exhausted. I was so mentally. Yeah, it was just so. It was just such a thing. I am so excited to talk with you for a thousand reasons because one, I could just listen to you talk all the time because Yay, me too. I mean, not me, but you. I could listen. <laughs> I was listening to him so arrogant. She's like, I could listen to me I totally for listen to myself. For <laughs> Ironically, I can. I hate listening to myself. But d- d- doesn't everyone? Like, I'm no, a- absolutely the hell not. Oh. You know who loves listening to themselves? Mr. This one Ross. Austrian guy. <laughs> he never gets tired of watching the documentary. Or oh, hearing yeah. his shit. I mean, done well. He doesn't like it if it's not done well. But the rest of us are just cringing and like, oh my God, I can't. I just. But hearing your own work produced is one thing. Hearing your voice, I think, is another thing. And it's because there's science. You can never actually hear your own voice. Right, because something to do with the resonance in the your resonance head The resonance in something? your head changes the way you hear it. And so you have an idea of what your voice sounds like. No one else hears it that way. And when it's recorded, it will still not be the same because it's an electronic duplication of your voice that you're hearing still outside of your head. Such a weird Maybe thing, if you get it? one of those like jawbone, you know those those mics yes. that like r- r- vibrate your earbones? Weird. Which I, I can't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about those. No, I don't like it. But anyway. So anyway, so anyway. <laughs> okay, so I haven't even told you what this podcast is about. So let me tell yes. you. So you know I've been doing the sexuality work, spiritual, sexuality, whatever, for all these years. And I love the work. Mm-hmm. And it's still very much part of me. But I've been feeling over the last few months something wanting to shift or change or expand. I don't know what it is yet. And I have given myself the summer. I've been calling it the summer of love. My last episode was <laughs> the summer of love. Because I've had all these amazing guests coming to stay with me. Yeah. And I feel like they're all part of it in their own unique way, either because we have interesting conversations mm-hmm. or they reflect something back to me or something. And so my previous years of work and business have been very grippy. I've been very like, my business must send me clients and I must, that's how I'm going to do Grippy in terms of you holding tightly to it? Yeah. Or and demand, in terms of it's gripping you? No, me gripping it yeah. and demanding it be a certain thing to me. Yeah. And I think long story short, that's ended up giving it a chokehold. Mm. And made me a bit limited. You know, like I'm, 
I'm not even beginning to share the magic that I have yeah. in the work that I've been doing. And so I wanted to start this podcast to document my own journey. Oh, cool. Of doing my own inner work yeah. to seeing what happens. And listen, this might end up only being 10 episodes. So right. I'm not, again, not gripping. But I wanted to also talk to people who I know do their own inner work mm -hmm. and who also help other people do their own inner work. Yeah. And you, I know, do your own personal inner work. You're very out about it in the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And you are the kink doula. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> PM. <laughs> I did. I should see if my if my patent application went through. I did. I, I applied. Oh yeah, you should. No, I'm in, for the, I'm in for the jingle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> King Dula TM. Dun 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 dun. But so so first of all, I want you to tell us what the King Dula is, and then also I came at the weekend and saw you teach, mm -hmm. and I know that kink is. I was going to say revolutionary. I guess it is revolutionary. Absolutely. I believe it is. And it is inner work. Like we might do things on the outside of someone's yeah. body, but it's so transformational. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about your work as a kink doula? Yeah. And then we'll talk about how kink is transformational. First as kink doula, I will say, you know, and I've talked about this a, a bit on the podcast before, but who cares? Because, you know. Oh, this is a different podcast. Say it again. This is a new podcast. New podcast. Well, this is, well, this is also my podcast. So oh, yes, like, that one. If you listen to my podcast, okay. which is allthatandmo.com. Called that specifically because I did not want to be trapped in just saying this is a podcast about BDSM. And what if one week I'm really on fire about some political shit that maybe is not directly specifically about kink? Then you go off topic. I was like, I just want it to be my show about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. King Doula came about as an outcropping, actually a byproduct of the work that I was doing with Barbara Carellis, who was responsible <laughs> For putting you in in my life and me in your life. That's right. So many years ago at the Urban Tantra in London, in fact. Yeah. It's got to be, what, like 10 years ago At now? least, yeah. Maybe even more. But basically, I was doing an exercise with one of the participants where we were doing some impact play in order to try to get her back into her body and creating a space where someone who had a great deal of chronic pain for many years, could experience intense sensation and pleasure at the edge of pain and what that would be like for her. And her experience in that was so transformational for her that when she came to me the next morning, like glowing and in a space of saying, I have not been in a state of blissful enjoyment of sensation since the accident. Wow. And me and the other person who was involved in the scene who was sort of, since if I'm spanking someone's butt, I can't necessarily have a good eye contact and monitor them as closely if it's a new person. Mm -hmm. So she had someone else who was sort of holding space and doing the eye gazing and all that, like, mm -hmm. woo shit. And what was miraculous about it was that she just felt like she had really received a healing and, and space to be back in her own body. And then, like, I just sort of tossed off, like, yeah, I guess I'm some sort of, like, kinky doula or something. And then, like, lightning struck, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That is what I'm doing. That's it. I right. was like, I need to get the website. I need to <laughs> fucking apply for a patent. I need to, you know, do my shtick. And it was interesting because for so many years, so many people had said to me, are you a coach? Are you a consultant? And I never stepped into it because I was like, who am I to do that? I don't have a degree. I don't have the training. And I was like, what fucking training? Yeah. What you, training you've is lived there? lived for decades. Right. And this is what everyone said. And so finally, with this lightning strike of that idea coalescing into this is who you are in this practice, and then being in a space where people that 
I really liked and was getting to know really responded so instantaneously to it. Each and every person was like, holy shit, yes. Everyone was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. This is amazing. Some people were like, oh shit, I wish I like, I should have yeah. thought of it. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Too late. I got the website. <laughs> and so it has been really remarkable just in this opening, the opening movement of getting this launch and having like the first clients come through and realizing that despite the fact that I sit there, like in the hours before, I'm going to talk to someone going, who the fuck do I think I am? I'm going to fuck up this person's life. I'm going to say some shit. And it's going to work. And then afterwards I get off the phone and I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I feel so delighted. And I'm so, and I'm actually very inspired by seeing you go through the process of saying, yeah, I did that. And now I'm moving on to and expanding into an even broader category of people because so much of your work is specifically with men. Yeah. Right. And there's certainly healing that you have for the world. And it doesn't mean that you're going to abandon the men that you have been working with. It means that you are adding to, you know, making more space for. Absolutely. And I feel like, and you'll get this, the tools and skills and resources and things that we know about kink and conscious sexuality, I don't really have a better word for that. Mm. They're life skills. You said that in your class the other day. They are life skills. It's how do we communicate with each other well? Mm-hmm. How do we respect each other's boundaries? How do we ask for what we want? How do we be more present in our body and with our people? And it's it's all life skills. And I feel strongly, and I keep mentioning this, and this may not be the direction that my work goes. Yeah. This I think it's the cutting edge of leadership. Mm-hmm. I think leadership, whatever that means, I don't know what that means exactly, need these skills. I think we need to be taking these skills into like companies yeah. and putting the whole cohort through it. We need to be getting like the people who work in the office and mm. the CEOs and the lunch ladies mm. and the janitors eye gazing. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's like, I think there's people doing it already. There's a great book called the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Oh my God. That was written by three people. It's so many commitments. It's a lot of commitments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can I get like five? Yeah. You can. You can. Yeah. It is a lot. But the three people that wrote it trained mm. with Gay and Katie Hendricks, and they were tantra teachers. Mm. And they're doing mm-hmm. all of that with corporate. Yep. So there's something that I can't quite put my finger on well, because it hasn't come have, to me yet. People have been making incursions into this line because... I had a friend who was a pro-dom for many years and had also come off of the corporate world for many years and was doing, like, executive pro-dom. Right. And not that she was beating people, but she was talking to people in leadership roles about how, as a dominatrix, what you are actually doing is nurturing your people and utilizing what turns them on to benefit you as their dom, as their top, as their whatever it is. Right. And so that idea is not alien entirely. Mm-hmm. The thing is that it's a matter of, and this is what people keep telling me, that like, you need to reach like the rest of the world. I'm like, I know. It's great to talk to kinky folks, but kinky folks already have the beginnings of the idea about how critical communication is. Right. And the fact that power dynamics exist, period. They're there. You need to understand what's happening with them and utilize them effectively and compassionately and consensually, hmm. which is what so many fucking people don't fucking do. Right. Right? And that's where you run into the bad aspect of kink, which is being domineering instead of dominant. Right. Being abusive as opposed to being nurturing. 
in right. what you're doing. And teaching people those skills in the context of kingdom and saying, and here's how it relates to the rest of your life. Exactly. Exactly. Even if you don't get it. Like, I'm like, fine, I will tell you explicitly how this relates to the rest of your life. Right. I, and I always say your sex life doesn't sit in a vacuum. It sits in the context of your life, mm -hmm. right? So if you are learning good boundaries because you're doing kink workshop or a tantra workshop or something like that, right. you're going to have better boundaries outside of there. You, it's going to click. Yeah. I mean, we should have been taught this at school, really, but we're not. So we have to go and learn it as adults. Yeah, I will tell you, the... Me who negotiated for salary increases after I'd had to go through negotiating kink scenes mm. was entirely 100% not that person who was like, oh, my God, can I even ask? And work waiting months it would take me to even work up the nerve to be like, please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, this is what I'm doing for you. Let me show you right. on paper how awesome I am. And this is where I need you to show me love and respect. And the only way you can do so is with money. Right. Right? Like in a relationship, there's other ways, you know, there's other love languages. The corporate love language is fucking cash. Right. So give me the goddamn cash. Cough it up. <laughs> That's right. And taking that into the workplace was completely organic and it just flowed right through. It wasn't like I had to decide, oh, am I going to use my king skills? No, it just fucking happened. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the same thing that people who go to therapy for their whatever issues, they get better in the rest of their lives. Right. It's not like you're just working on your issues with your mom. Right. Right? You're doing that so that you can then walk through the world with more confidence, with more stability, with more joy, with less anxiety, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And that spills over into the rest of your life. And so for people not to think or not to fully understand how much fuckery is occurring because people are not having the sex that they want, mm -hmm. because people are not having the intimacy that they desire, because people are not connecting in the way that they want. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it comes down to a core human wound that is, I'm not enough, I'm mm -hmm. not good enough, that mm -hmm. everybody has. Yeah. And then somehow we're supposed to spend our life figuring out that we are enough, <laughs> you know, something like that, but also help uh. each other. And it's not because of what you have yeah. or what you do. And it's a bit cheesy, but I always say, who are you being? Mm. Who are you being in the bedroom? Who are you being with your lovers? Who are you being at work? Yeah. That's all it comes down to. What you're doing. There's a quote I read somewhere years ago that was, when you are, when you're on your deathbed, you won't care what you did for a living and neither will God. You'll only care who you were being mm. during your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what we teach. Who yeah. are you being? Who are you bringing to the bedroom? Who are you being in the bedroom? Mm -hmm. Or your life or your other relationships. And all of that, here we go, seriously, <laughs> takes me to the inner work. Yeah. What is the what, what does inner work mean to you? I could say what I mean, but what is it what does doing the inner work or inner work mean to you? It well well for me, it had to start. It's interesting because I, I like to think about the fact that I've been doing the inner work so much more intensely since I got sober. I mean, but getting the, sober takes inner work. Right. But the reality is that I have always been an inner work person. A lot of the language that I utilize in order to try to describe my processes and the way I think to other people turns out to be very transformative. Like if I say to someone, well, you know, brain hamsters, and they're like, what do you mean by brain hamsters? I'm like, well, I have an entire flock of rodents. 
right? And I talk to them and sometimes they do things. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, I'm like, you know what? I need to organize this trip to the UK in December. I'm like, you, these two brain hamsters, and they scamper up. I'm like, you guys need to remind me in a couple of days that I need to do X, Y, and Z. And then they're fine. They're on the little wheels going on the side. Mm -hmm. So this is how I visualize my internal process. And I thought that was normal. And then I find out from other people, they're like, yeah, I don't have conversations with rodents in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's too bad because they're kind of awesome. Yeah. And then when I got sober and then I started having conversations with a hyena and then with this Hindu deity and then with past iterations of myself, mm-hmm. I started thinking, okay, I'm insane. But what was really going on was I was getting in touch with stuff that has been part of my process for my entire life, but I wasn't able to coherently speak about it. Right. And now I can. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the inner work is about taking the chaos of what's happening inside and not making sense of it, but accepting it and working with it. Absolutely. You know, so I can say, okay, I, for example, know that I have intrusive thoughts that I am prone to. What can I do to get past it? Like, and I'll try different things. I'll say, maybe when I have the intrusive thought, I will take a shower, I will do something different, I'll jump around, get my body moving, and that didn't work. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write about it, and that didn't work. I'm like, fine, I'm just going to plunge headfirst, stick my face into the, and scream, and fully experience the anger or joy or whatever the intrusive thought is. And I was like, hey, that actually works, which seems counterintuitive. I'm just like, get angrier, get madder, Mm. get so pissed off that you just can't deal with it anymore. And so for me, that inner work lines up with saying, who the fuck am I in here? What's going on? Even if it seems crazy and when it does feel nuts, mm-hmm. to accept it and say, great, this is what we're fucking working with. And that's it. Owning all the parts of you that yeah. make themselves known, isn't it? <laughs> and some of them can organize trips abroad. Yeah. And some of them are maybe thoughts that aren't even real thoughts, but mm-hmm. you just have to indulge them for a little while until right. they're diffused, you know? And sometimes, like, for me, I do a lot of... We were saying earlier... Not on here. Um, about, about <laughs> Earlier in the default In the world. actual world, um, <laughs> that I'm much more body-based than mental-based. Right. And so for me, a lot of my stuff that needs examining, you know, shit that comes up, mm-hmm. shows up in my body. And so if I'm like, oh, there goes my back, I will go and get a massage or some body work. But before I do that, I'll kind of take my consciousness, my awareness into mm-hmm. there and kind of listen to it and kind of rub it and listen and see what... Does it have a message? Is it trying to tell me something? Mm-hmm. Is it something from the past? Did I just knock my body when I walk past the table? Right. You know, is there something going on? Is there a message for me? Or, you know, do I just actually need to go for a walk? You know, what is it? <laughs> but I will always go in first because my body always tells me stuff before it's in my mind. Before it comes to my yeah. mental awareness, it's in my body. And it's so interesting because I am 180 degrees opposite of that. And then I look at Georg, who I'm constantly trying to process with and trying to keep Melina's up. Melina's husband. With what, oh yeah, some people might not know. Yeah. He is the spouse meister as well. <laughs> and his life is entirely up here. He has pretty much vacated the body. Right. You know, he is just not present. And so when things are happening for him physically, he has no concept that perhaps it's a manifestation of some psychological shit. Interesting. Right. And I'm like, maybe your back hurts. Because I, for example, read an article about lower back pain being connected with childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And Georg had just, for the first year of our relationship, he didn't mention that he just was constantly in some level of discomfort with his lower back. Mm -hmm. 
And I would, you know, I bust up the Hitachi for the alternate usage. And I'm, you know, doing massage. I'm sending healing energy, blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you, it didn't start to dissipate until I started helping him work on separating from his mother. Right. Right. Till I started saying to him, you know what? You don't actually have to send her flowers. She did nothing to earn those. She absolutely did not. And by the time we were well into that, I started asking him again about his back. And it was fewer and fewer incidences where he was aware of pain or he was even hindered by it. Yeah. And it is now something that is now not perpetual constant. It's like, yeah, if, he, if we have a shitty bed, he might wake up his sure. back's a little sore. Or if he sleeps weird or picks up a suitcase the way I tell him not to. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I have seen and he has seen how that psychological work has moved him from a physiological situation. Right. It's all connected. Yeah. Before I even trained as a massage therapist, which was the first thing I ever trained as mm -hmm. 27 years ago, because I'm very old. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was given a book, it's actually downstairs, called Body Mind yeah. by a man named Ken Dickwald. It was the first time I'd Dick ever... Dickwall? Dick, it was Dickwald, but D-Y-C-H. Oh. Yeah. Dick. I'm sorry. As in love wall. <laughs> well, that means love. Does it? No, Liebe, Dich, you, Dich is you. Ich liebe Dich is I love you. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. I flipped up the you words. You can tell me I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but he, in this book, and so it'll be, if it was written when I read it, yeah. it's at least 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was probably not it was probably recently had, written. Right. And he, in it, he kind of mapped out, you know, if you feel something on your shoulder, you're carrying a burden. And if, you know, you've got an eye problem, what don't you want to see? And all this right. kind of, that kind of stuff and saying how it all works. And do you know something? I... I mean, it's 30 years old, but I still find almost that map almost is almost the same. Although I wow. find different people manifest different things in different parts of their body. Right. You know, so like you could follow a map of the chakras and say, oh, if there's something in your heart, when did you have heartbreak? Or there's something in your sacral, you know, what's going on with your creative flow or your mm -hmm. sexuality or something. And I find more often than not it maps out, but not always. Really, The thing I had to learn, actually, personally and professionally, was to... When I listen to someone's body or energy system, is to not make assumptions, mm. to not go, well, I'm over the heart, so maybe there's some heartbreak. It's right. like, but that could be coming from their lower back, which happens to be trauma from their mom, or so yeah. you know. So, but the the body is definitely holding wisdom and information, and mm -hmm. so that's my first protocol because it makes the most sense to me. Well, and also you have the capacity to feel in an empathetic and sympathetic way other people's physical shit. Yeah, I mean, people's bodies talk to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I. Yeah, weird shit happens. Like an early session all those years ago, I'm listening to this guy's body, kind of listen with my hands like stethoscopes. And actually, this wasn't, I don't even know if this was his body, but I felt like maybe his father was present. And I'm not, a, what, are you, what are the people that do that? It's like psychic or yeah. medium. I'm yeah. not a medium. I, and it was so strong. And I try to always trust my intuition. Yeah. And so I said to him, and this might be a little odd, but I feel like your dad is here. He was laying on his back with his arms at his side. Yeah. And he opened his eyes and looked at me. And then he lifted his arm. And there was a tattoo <gasps> on the back of his arm that said, like, dad with a heart or something. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. said, my dad sent me here. He died about six months ago. Oh, I, my God. He said, I feel like he pointed me to your website. Oh, <laughs> shit, bro. I know. And he had this like fresh tattoo of dad. Oh my gosh. And I was like, fuck. And, and then we went on to do the work and he, yeah. he was into the work 
because his dad was behind it and he was close to his dad wow. and blah, 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 blah. And I think that's I mean, beautiful and like super humbling and totally amazing. And yeah. So anyway, in a way, that story didn't illustrate my point, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I think it did, though. Did it? I think it was very much <laughs> the intuitive nature of this work. Yeah. Right. And it's part of the reason that I have to push myself through whenever I'm talking to a new person about King Dula stuff. And I'm still at the apologetic stage. I'm still, I was talking to someone the other day and I still said, you know what, this might be weird. I'm sorry. This just popped into my head. And they were just like, just say, I was like, I know, I know. I just, I don't, I'm terrified of being weird or saying something that's way off base or that has nothing to do with what your actual needs are. But I'm about to tell you about yourself. And so far, I have not had anyone look at me and be like, what the fuck are you on about? This doesn't make any sense. I am so surprised. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of a bone I have to pick with you. Yes. You often say... Bone picker. (laughs) ...that you are not woo. You are so woo. I fucking hate it, though. <laughs> like, you're, you were talking about... I feel about- like you have to be deliberately woo to do the woo. Like, if woo just comes and farts in your face... No, that is actual woo, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The rest of it is playing at it. You're saying that one of my... I, I think I told you this when we were in the Lake District. One of my favorite memes that goes around yeah. says something about... You get all these witches that are like, oh, I must get the eye of toad and the dried basil and the leaf right. from this rare plant or whatever to do magic. And that is a way to do magic. Right. You can call on those energies, whatever. And also, and the meme goes, or you can just pop a sigil on a Pop-Tart and ha- have it for breakfast. Yeah. Like, woo, a lot of woo isn't as mystical, magical as it's portrayed. Mm. It can be. And I like a little bit of both myself, right. you know, like, and I'm sure you do. I'm sure like if you had somebody come to you as a kink doula and your intuition told you they actually need a ritual, we actually need to light a candle and yeah. call in the four directions. Creating rituals you would do is certainly it. like a part of something that I do when talking to people about DS stuff, right? Because a right. lot of people are like, I don't know what to do. Right. And sometimes building from the outside in is helpful for some folks. Precisely. Right. And so I can say, okay, here's a little thing you can do, right? Like my first dominant whenever I would go to his house, I had 15 minutes where once I arrived, I was to just stay in the vestibule, like kneeling or sitting or whatever, and meditate upon my service. And I was like, whatever the fuck. (laughs) For me, that did not work. It was, I was like, you're wasting my fucking time. I have ironing to do. I have all the shit you've given me to do, and now I'm 15 minutes sitting here staring at my fucking toes. It was not helpful for me, but it was what he had decided his protocol was. Right. And what I tell people is find the protocol that actually works for both of you. Right. Do not impose, because you can make your slave, your submissive, do stuff, but that's not actually helpful. But you're right. Like, ritual and protocol and all of those things and the gathering of the herbs and all of that, I know, is a part of focusing your energy. Precisely. So now I'm focusing my energy on these leaves. My energy is now in the leaves, whatever else. Whereas and the leaves I, mean this to me. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I just tend to be like a energy vomiting dragon. And I'm just like, ah, ah, ooh, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> that was my spell. There it was. But see, this is the thing. you are almost more woo because you don't even need it because it comes from within. I guess. See? Yay. Maybe we need a different term than woo. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I use the term spiritual, but I always feel a bit wanky when I use it. I think I go, you know what I like the most is spooky. 
Yeah, I like spooky. I like I'm just like I'm one of the spooky I'm just one of the spooky kids. That like that, that actually resonates for me. I like that. Because spooky is actually delightful scariness. Is it delightful? I didn't yeah. know that. Like if something like if you go to a if you go to a haunted if someone like here's one example of like, oh we're gonna tell spooky stories. Right. Right. A spooky story is not designed to actually keep you up at night. It's designed to give you that little shiver of thrill. Right. You know, as so you, not scary. Right. Spooky. Spooky is a step back. So hair tingling, which is a yummy feeling. Exactly. So the sort of spookiness of like you and your partner walk into the room at the same time wearing the same shirt and you haven't planned it. Cool, that's a little spooky. It's a little weird, it's a little eerie, it's a little... The other word I enjoy is the actual original meaning of weird. Oh, me too. W-Y-R-D. Yes, I agree. The weird sisters, right? Yeah. Like, I love that. I've always identified as a weirdo. Yeah. I love being weird. And I'm like, let's take that word back to the origin which is magical and mystical, but in a way that's a little bit sort of like, you know what, watch yourself. Right. That's the one for me too. <laughs> and so I'm feeling that. So I will accept those. I will receive weird. I will just say you're weird, W-Y-R-D. <laughs> <laughs> I will receive spooky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are in alignment with where I am right now. And really, ultimately what we're saying is you are deeply intuitive yeah. and in tune Yes, I will. I will. I have to, again, take a deep breath and say, okay, yes, this is who I am. I tell you something, you say that you're like prefacing, when you're talking to clients, you're prefacing what you're saying, like, I don't know if this will really Yes, yes. I had another client, this was also a few years ago, Mm -hmm. who I've got my hands on his body, I'm listening for whatever it was that he came there for, I can't remember right now. And I, this is going to sound weird isn't even the word i felt like there were two dragons either side of him like one either side and i was like i kept closing my eyes and tuning in and coming back out tuning in and finally i said you know this is going to sound mad like you're going to just get up and leave because i'm totally mad i said but i feel like you've got like a dragon either side of him oh yeah those are my dragons like he knew about oh yeah those are my dragons he knew about that he just had this either side this very powerful energy and I was so freaked out. Okay, here's the thing. Why not mention that? I right. mean, but I guess maybe this was, but this was him knowing that you knew what the fuck you were fucking doing, right? I guess it was the first session. I mean, I was just like, I'm pretty sure there's some dragons here. That's spooky as fuck, And man. he knew. And interestingly, I- Oh my God. I know. And I was still really learning my, what I was picking up at the yeah. time. And I can't remember how we ended up, but he ended up having a session with my- tutor mentor Mm -hmm. intuitive person but at my house and we hadn't told her and she started i just said i needed help with this client and um she came in she went can you back get your dragons to back off i'm trying to do some work here (laughs) wait he and i looked at each other we looked at her and she was like yeah there's dragons (laughs) what the fuck yeah he had i want dragons how right She said after she has hung out with ganesha a couple times and a hyena the hyena is not She's great. She's great. We love her. Yay, Bubbles. Awesome. Well, she brought wisdom to you. Yes. So yes. So we love her. And see, and this brings me, I'm going to swing it back there, to- There you go. Inner work. Is about knowing your parts as well, yeah. isn't it? And loving your parts. And God knows we do a lot of that because we have parts that are, you and I know that we, we have parts that like don't feel enough and want to curl up in a ball and mm-hmm. pull the duvet over her head. And are also like, fuck me, I just did a great thing. Yes. Like you were nervous on Saturday before you taught the thing. And afterwards you're like, oh, I taught the thing. But convince me that it was actually any good. That will take another couple of years. Really? It doesn't matter. That, yeah, no, it's terrible. Oh, stop it. 
someone just, you know, had messaged me earlier today and said, well, how did it go? And I was like, I think it was okay. It was fucking awesome. I was there. This is part of it is the, the performer is that you are always honing the performance. You're always like, well, it could be more this. Well, it could be more that. Well, I could have whatever. But the reality is I really gave myself the opportunity to be as present in that room with those folks who had shown up that day as I possibly could. And you were for like seven hours. <laughs> and, and this is the thing. I guess I don't, I don't see it as a feat because it's just my thing. And anyone else who teaches is like, you just like got up there and talked and did the thing all day. Mm-hmm. And opened people's minds and gave people permission and expanded their thinking about what's okay to explore and play with and mm-hmm. how they have sex and how they love. Like, I mean, there's British people crying, okay? Like, that's a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what more proof do you want, woman? <laughs> Everyone in that room was mesmerized for the whole seven hours. Yeah. Not one person yawned or looked bored or fell asleep apart from gay organ. He doesn't count. <laughs> he doesn't count. Also, so, that's just how he is. Right. Like, he shuts down. But it looks also, like he's not doing anything. But he was present. Yes, When definitely. questions were asked or when he had something to contribute, yeah. he was absolutely there yeah, 100%. Yeah. Thankfully, I know him and I'm able to just be like, fine, fine, whatever, you're doing a thing. But the people that came to see you specially correct, correct. were mesmerized. The and also, time. the reality is that the messaging that I have about if you don't have eight PowerPoint presentations and you don't have everything written out, then you are not really doing the real shit is entirely capitalist, corporate BS. It has nothing to do. And very American. Yeah. Like that wouldn't happen here. It has nothing to do with what is actually the purpose of what we're calling an intensive, which is to be intensively present, which in my opinion, I'm sorry, and I know that there are people who do need that support. It's absolutely their strong place, right? Mm -hmm. My strong place is literally jumping out of the airplane and going, at some point, the parachute (laughs) will appear. Yeah. Or at some point, the ground will be a big squishy squishmallow, and I will land on that. But I think what you don't realize is you knew roughly your kind of beginning, middle, and end. Right. So much so, you had handouts. Right. I mean, yes. So you knew I got to get to this stepping stone and that stepping stone right. and this stepping stone. And so I have to talk a little bit about this so that that makes sense. Yes. So then, then I can tell them this thing. So then that. Yes. And every single thing that you talked about, you illustrated with many real life experiences mm-hmm. that you had had that brought it to life. So like, I don't see that there's any more you could have done that was... You know, there's nothing missing. And and it was interesting because one of the things that Todd said that I was like, oh, it worked, is that I would like make a point about self-assessment and negotiation and then use an illustrative thing. And then a couple of hours later, be like, remember that thing I said, here's another place where this is important and it works. Essentially saying the same thing again. But the reality is, I know as a teacher, you need to hit people with knowledge three to five times before they'll have a shot at it sinking in. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I'm not going to repeat it the same way five times. I will use three different anecdotes and say it five different ways. Right. And then people will say, oh, that's why you need to know what the fuck you want. Right. Not just because it looks good on paper, but because it can help you in the following ways. Here's how it helped her. And then people start to – because everyone wants to relate, right? Like that's a human thing. Then they start to look at their stories, which is why I think storytelling is so vital. Yeah. The teaching. Right. Because people instantly start going through their lives. And that's a way for you to anchor 
your point to someone else's actual lived experience in real time. Yeah. And if you can do that, that's fucking, you know, you want to talk about like alchemy, that's magic because that person has then stepped into their own healing in that moment, right? right. You personalized yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is fucking awesome. And I was awesome. like, oh, I did that. Yay. <laughs> and someone noticed. And I was like, okay, good. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish you could give yourself like 20 gold stars for Saturday. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm I can tell you it. that English people that show up to kink events are not looking for a PowerPoint. I think yeah. that that comes out of the, because a lot of American sex educators or kink educators, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. teach at like universities and places like that. Correct. And so they have their little PowerPoints and they do a little thing. Yes. But that's, it's not a thing here. No. And it really isn't a thing anywhere because the time that I almost talked myself out of it and sat down to write a speech was when I was invited to ASECT, which is the American Association of Sexuality, ASS, Educators and Therapists. Mm -hmm. It's a group and people, they're like, we're going to certify people in this thing. And so you have to get points and you have to do all this shit. And they invited me to keynote at an event. And I was like, holy shit, this is a big fucking deal. Because it's therapists and it's people with many letters after their name. And I said, you realize I am not certified in, I don't know, anything. I don't even <laughs> legally have a high school diploma, which is because I failed gym, but that's another story. You failed gym. I did. I did. <laughs> Senior year, I was like, I'm not fucking going to gym. I'm already, I'm already in college. I don't care. Right. So I have to laugh. But they said, no, your experience and who you are in the world as a woman of color, as a thought leader in this subculture, we absolutely want to hear from you. And I spent seven months tormenting myself, saying, you better write that speech. You better, there's no way you are going to walk up in front of a thousand fucking, a ballroom full of therapists and just pull that out of your ass. Who the fuck do you think you are? Thankfully, who the fuck I thought I was, was too busy and too (laughs) crazy with the rest of my life to actually do that. And so I did. I literally like looked at my watch. I was like, what are the three things I want to say to these motherfuckers? Mm. You know, I want to say, first of all, thank you for not pathologizing us anymore because the changes to the DSM had just started rolling out. And so kink and BDSM as a part of your life had been depathologized. And I also said, and stop making us talk about it. When you don't fucking know what the fuck it is, mm-hmm. we're not here to educate you. Get your education. Right. You educate yourselves about so many other things, about queerness, about cultural issues. Add this to the list. You need to know. Yep. We're, there's not two or three of us. There's millions of us. Yep. And you know, your neighbors and your bosses yes. and your friends. And then yep. the last thing I wanted to say was BDSM as harm reduction has value. And you need to have this in your wheelhouse because you might have clients who are self-harming. You might have clients who are in abusive relationship after abusive relationship, and maybe what they're seeking actually is that type of pain and that type of suffering, and they're looking for it the wrong way. And you don't even know how to steer them into that to even see if maybe that would help them. Right. You know, and I just opened my mouth, and then like 45 minutes later, I walked off the stage, and it took me four and a half hours to get back to my room upstairs because, first of all, Half of the ballroom got in line to wait to talk to me. Right. And then, like, as I finally got out of the ballroom, then there were groups of people just running and going, there she is. They were like, oh, my God, was this recorded? Because we need to. And then other people who hadn't been in that session were like, I heard you did this session. What did you say? People are, like, freaking out. And then this was the miraculous part. Then this one therapist came up to me and he said, I just saw your speech. I have a gift I need to give you. 
and he pulls out this little tiny box and it looks like you know those sort of cheesy gifts that you get like from the Chinese dollar store yeah, and it's yeah. this little box of whatever and it's some sort of sculpture it's it says like sculpture on the outside and i open it and i just i'm like my breath is sucked away because it's a tiny glass ganesha <gasps> and i was like are you fucking kidding me why are you giving wow. me this and he said i just and i was like stop and he's he's southeast asian and I was like, you need to stop. And I like whipped, I like, I like pull up my dress and pull down my fucking tights so I can show him my tattoo. I'm like, and he's like, and I'm like, we're like, oh my God. you know, having this whole thing. And, and like, that was like, to me, you know, my higher power going, yeah, bitch. Right. Right. Pay attention. This is how it's fucking done. Have it. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> this is the thing. Like you've been walking these paths for decades. You've been involved personally and professionally in the kink world, yeah. sexuality world, whatever. For what three decades? Almost, almost, yeah. You know, I mean, you've got performance background as well, so mm-hmm. you know how to speak. You know how to tell a story. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. And you're like the smartest person I know. So you know how to <laughs> you know how to take all those puzzle pieces of experience. And performance and put them together and you fucking your rock star. That's all. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving it. I'm (laughs) accepting it. Thank you very much. (sighs) And the world needs you. The world needs what you bring. Well, the world also needs what you're bringing. And I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. But (laughs) what's fascinating to me is that when I first met you, you were like, oh, I'm working with men for the thing. I'm like, oh, great. Men get like yet more cool shit. Good for them. But then I started thinking about it and I said, no, but there's so much pain and so much wounding and so much sorrow that is hidden and tucked and baked into what it means to be a man in current society. There's so much toxicity. And I realized for myself, if there's no one bringing the softness and helping people to dig into themselves as you do, how can we expect anyone to get better? That's it. Like, what is that? What is the healing going to be for them? I know. The other day, Todd was asked to coach a room. It was virtual, but to coach Mm -hmm. a room of women around how the patriarchy is affecting them in the boardroom or something like that. Anyway, so he was talking about how dare I go in to do this thing and why had he been asked, whatever. And so he held it really well. Mm -hmm. But separately to that, I was saying the thing with patriarchy is not men. It's a system. Right. And men are hurt by it also. Absolutely. You know, and so I... You know something, I, when I first started doing this work, I worked with everyone, every yeah. gender going, every whatever, whatever. And because I genuinely wanted to help. But Barbara Corellis. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch. That woman. <laughs> me one day and she was asking the group, who do you want to work with? And yes. some people were going, I'm going to work with, you know, trans this. Right, get your perfect whatever. client. Right. And I went, oh, I, I want to work with everyone. I want to work with anyone who wants to come, who feels drawn to me for help. And she looked me dead in the eye and went, everyone is not a demographic. And I was like, ooh, like I've never seen Barbara use that voice with me before. (laughs) Like, shit. And it took years for for that to sink in. And then it did sink in. And then I thought, okay, where does my magic lie? I'm really honest. It was with men. Like, I can help women, but I overprotect them. I collude with them too much. Like, Mm. I don't, my mastery isn't there. Yeah. I just isn't. So I can help. But I'm not magical there. But it's like an orientation, isn't it? Your magical orientation leans into that group of people. I really just think, and this is sound weird, but I think you'll get it. It's spooky. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that I think I've done this work for lifetimes. Yeah. And I think I'm just like whatever it is, I'm like wired or made or the whatever deity made me mm-hmm. made me to come and do this particular work. And for yeah. whatever reason, I'm fine tuned to men. And like early, like during at the beginning of the pandemic, and I wasn't seeing clients, and I had all this like backed up energy, you know, mm-hmm. client energy. My mentor said to me, why don't you just do some transmissions? Like, just transmit the energy yeah. and put on Facebook and say you're going to transmit it. I was like, well, it's a little weird, but it, it's got to go somewhere, so let me try it. Yeah. So I just put out a thing. I said, you know, 4 till 4.15, I'm going to transmit some sexual alchemy energy. And she said she was going to tune in. So I do the thing. I transmit the energy. I feel much better <laughs> afterwards. Wonderful. And then she came. She uh, messaged me afterwards. She goes, this is really weird. She said, you are definitely fine-tuned for the masculine. She said, I tried to tune in and it just wasn't, it wasn't, I could feel it a bit. She said, but that's like, if I'm a transmitter, the receivers are mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. and they can be trans men. I don't think it, it's not how you, it's not cis men. It is an orientation. It is who, who do you think are. you are? Yeah. And she said, she thought that that's where the energy would go. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't intending that. I was just transmitting to whoever wanted any. Right. And I was like, yeah, that does feel right. Because when I'm with the man, like, eyes closed, I can go, mm, yes, this is what's going on. Let's do that. Tweak this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sort it out with its women. And they're telling me this stuff. I'm like, I know that's terrible, right? You know, like, <laughs> I just, and couples, <laughs> couples are not my jam. Like, yeah. I, because usually I can see what's going on with one of them and I just want to pull them up on it and it's not going to help the dynamic. Right. You, know? and so you need just, to really be present for both. I think working with couples, you got to it's got to be the thing that you were fine-tuned to do or something, or you have to love it. I think there's some people that love it, but for me, no. (laughs) No. I don't know if whatever new spokes to my wheel come might be more group work and therefore people of all genders. What are you you leaning into now? What are you... I know that you are experimenting and you are leaving room. What have you discovered since you have opened up that space? The only thing that I know, and it's still not... 100% in form Mm -hmm. is Todd and a guy named Rob, who was here last week and is going to be on the the next Rob and Todd. (laughs) He's going to be on the next podcast. So Rob came to visit us, like I think in January. Mm -hmm. Rob and Todd knew each other from the coaching world Mm -hmm. and both felt drawn to do something else together. And Rob had just learned to do firewalks, but he was also a coach and he's Mm -hmm. kind of corporate y, whatever. Anyway, Rob came. And the three of us sat in the lounge downstairs, and what emerged was kind of Todd and I doing that sort of session with Rob, mm-hmm. where what was birthed was the fire shaman. He's a fire shaman. Mm. He didn't know it. And it was this huge piece of work. It was kind of a bit how I work with the body and a bit how Todd works with magic. And so the three of us have been exploring what we might run yeah. together. And so there's something with the two of them that might happen that we're going to run I think we haven't, I can't remember if we got a date. It might be October where, so, so we spent a weekend together. The weekend before you came, Oh, actually. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my summer of love, right? So Rob was the first one. So he came and we, each of us took a turn in the middle with the other two working on them. Yeah. And bringing their magic and seeing what evolved and like all sorts of stuff was evolved. Oh. I, bits of me were expanded. Todd had a piece of like a ritual he needed to do a thing. And then Rob, Rob, had all sorts of expansion go on. It was just like, it was a whole big, it was like a sexual alchemy, Todd's magic, Rob's fire shaman thing. And the three of us were growth grown from it. So the next thing we're going to do is invite three people to come and spend a day with us in an experiment. 
to see what happens. Where we're thinking what might happen is each of the three people will get a turn in the middle and we all work our magic on them to, mm-hmm. on whatever it is they bring that needs to be worked with right. or wants to be worked Whoa. on. Whoa. Yeah. I'm like, I want to do middle of the magic thing with this stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe we would do that in December. You don't have to pop down here. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there might be a way we'll get Rob up to the night district or something. That might. I was about to say, it's fun. I was like, come and hang out in this mansion for a day. Oh, must or two. we? Oh, no. <laughs> that's so horrible. <laughs> but that's like the only thing I know that's coming yeah. is that the three of us feel something there and we're going to do this thing for three people. But we've talked a lot about how we might take that into companies. Mm. We don't have any answers yet, though. Yes. That's the only thing that's like a half a spoke. That's <laughs> not even a full spoke right. in the wheel. And the rest, I don't know. I mean, I've got we've got guests every week. Apart from two weeks in August, we've got guests every week through the end of August, and everyone's bringing their magic. Their, like I said, did I ever say this on the podcast, or was I saying it to you earlier? I, I can't remember. Say it again. But basically, <laughs> I feel like all the people coming are people that I love and respect, that are yeah. big and powerful in their own world. We have a friendship, and there's a colleagueship in mm-hmm. there as well. And yeah. so there's conversations I feel are opening me up, opening Todd up. And something's coming, and I just don't know what it is. I will keep doing the sexual alchemy. It is work. a thing. It is a thing. As I mentioned to you, the one of the p- people I was talking to for the King Doula thing was just had a huge turn in their career, mm. which is great because their career is like helping the world be less shitty. Great. And so I was like, great. This is amazing that you are also stepping into your power and getting paid as several minorities under the umbrella under which this person falls. To talk about shit that's important for us, for those of us who are light workers and craving justice yeah. and craving equality yeah. and craving peace. Like the fact that that message is now being underwritten by people with fat wallets was very heartening to me. Yeah. Right. And so part of me is wondering if this restlessness that so many of us are feeling is part of that. And I think. And this is a case where the worst things get, there's going to be there's going to be people who are called to say, okay, fine, now this is the time. Right. And part of my life pattern has been, I do very well when things are falling apart. Mm. Like the, Same. every stock market crash, every fucking recession, I'm always at the point where like shit is good. Yeah. Where I have a stable job, where I have a good place I'm living, where my rent control is in, <laughs> in place, always everything else is falling apart and burning. Yeah. But it, it, I would say it's something of a spooky or healer mm-hmm. nature, that's when people need you. Yeah. That's exactly. when they need you. Yeah. That you makes know? so much sense. Yeah. Is that if you you need to be the light for the folks who are flailing. Yeah, and the ones that hold them and comfort them or heal them or help them look a different at a different perspective yeah. of what's going on. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. And I think that there definitely is a... I hate to be sort of like Moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars <laughs> right now, but something is going Since on. Yeah, well, here's the th- thing that I've been hesitating to say because I feel like it sounds. I think some people will totally get it yeah. and they'll be on board, and some people will be like, "What do you know?" And that's a bit wanky. So, <laughs> well, I might have been that person. It's a bit you know, wanky. Yeah, or wanky. <laughs> I think. You're right about this movement. Mm-hmm. And I think there's various movements of a similar nature. Yeah. But one of them is the thing that Todd's going through, which then is having a knock-on effect to me, which is what – the only word I have for it is awakening. I think people yeah. are, are awakening more 
to the true nature, to their power, to coming out of the dream state of power over and into the reality of power with, Mm -hmm. like something of that. And I think there's many, many, many layers of it. Some of it is just where we lose a few ego positions that have held us back. Right. And some of it where is where selfhood falls away. Todd is in the selfhood falling away mm-hmm. place of it. And some of my clients are. Yeah. There's something in me ancient that's gone, oh, that, that is what I do. I almost like can't look in your eyes when I say this bit, in part because I'm waiting for you to roll them. <laughs> but in part, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in part because the thing is, I don't even know if I can put this in words, but I've said for a thousand Say the years. Thing, just babble. When I look into my clients' eyes, mm-hmm. my intention is to draw out who they really are. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is the essence of them that is beyond and before all the shame and conditioning and being told they're not enough and all the human shit that gets dumped on them. Mm-hmm. And that is also awakening. That is yes. awakening to who you really are and what we really are is beyond human yeah however you whether that soul or consciousness or oneness or whatever the your thing language beyond is. the electrified bag of meat and what i'm realizing is now like I, I think that was happening with guys and they would up level some what and i don't mean that hierarchically i just mean for themselves and and how they their, know themselves their, their self-awareness yeah. right but now it feels like it's actually doing some awakening on the deeper level mm. Mm. todd says this is like what's happening with him, he thinks started 15 years ago when we got together. Mm. I mean, he's done a fuck ton of work yeah. to himself, like fuck ton. But there's something in that. As I speak about it, I get like all my hairs on my body stand up. Yeah. You know, something in me. And I almost feel like I'm not awakened. I think I'm awakened in my work. Like once I'm in the treatment room with someone. That, you can't not be, you can't, you can be awakened in areas. Georg is awakened in music. Yes. Right. Absolutely. But he might not be awakened in Cooking. The fucking refrigerator? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Finding shit in the fridge. <laughs> but this is it. I think many people are awakened in one or two or some areas right. and not in others. And that's fine. We don't all have to awaken. No, but, but this is, to me, the reason that being involved in a relationship with someone is powerful and important. And it's part of the reason I think that I had such a drought of people intimately connected to me is because I needed to be completely stored up with all the relationship energy I could possibly muster because this (laughs) motherfucker was going to come and tax my shit. Yeah. And give me the room to do so. Because if someone like Georg wasn't able to financially support me, for example, and I had to come from work. Oh, my God. And deal with that shit. Your relationship would never work. It would never work. Ever. Ever. And so his karma got him to the place where he had, he's not raking in a million dollars per fucking piece that he writes but he has enough money so that between the two of us living nice lives yeah i can be there entirely for him and entirely for myself right and this is the thing i had to learn because people were constantly saying to me how do you cope with it how do you deal with it how do you handle it aren't you exhausted and i was like i'm exhausted because you're asking me if i'm exhausted should i be exhausted (laughs) i'm not exhausted but maybe i should be and then i had a conversation with like my spiritual mom Hmm. who was like you know, she was a sit, you know, I need to like, and she did the thing that you do. And she said to me, and I don't, maybe I'll say it wrong. I don't know. But something about, I guess the crown chakra is supposed to be like where you receive mm. energy from the cosmos. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Is that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you are putting out. She's like, you are outputting all the time. She's like, I've never seen this. 
Yeah. She's like, no wonder you, because Garrick and I were going through whatever, and she was like, and then she was like, you're fine, actually. <laughs> she's like, it's weird that you're fine. Why are you fine? Because you were getting the support from underneath. Right. That's why. Uh, so I can tell people I'm fine and leave me alone, and I actually don't need to, like, take a bath and get a massage. I'm just living my fucking life. Right. You know, the idea that everyone needs the same type of psychological, emotional, and spiritual support. And I started to realize it's not that my needs are not being met. It's that it's not a need. Right. I actually don't need him to do that because I'm actually very solid in that part of myself that helps him. Yes, I'm clapping because also the thing that you said, you you alluded to a minute ago, is Mm -hmm. that each of you individually on your journeys prior to meeting each Mm -hmm. other had done a lot of inner work, dare I say. You had done a lot of, life's kicked me in the nuts. What am I going to do with that? Who do I want to be? How am I going to deal with the psychological stuff? What about the brain hamsters? Georg had all his trauma, you know. You had your trauma. like, And both of you had worked on that stuff. It's not that when you come together, you have to be perfectly and you've ironed all your shit out. We're never going to do that. It's that you get to a place where you have enough self-awareness and self-respect to say, I am ready for this relationship. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. No, but dude, this is so real and it's so hard to explain to people because everyone wants to worry about you. Everyone wants to think whatever. And I'm like, it is stressful. It's hard. It's hard being in a relationship with him. It is not easy. And I would not trade any second of it at all because I was literally born for this. I got chills all over. Like when I look at how perfectly my life experience fits in with what his needs are Mm. and the fact that my callous points, the places where I'm able to say, fuck off, this is not mine to grab. I'm sorry, this is your problem. I'll help you, but I'm not absorbing this. Mm. The fact that both of us can do that. The fact that like when we first started our relationship, I was blunt as hell with him. I said things to him I had never said to a sexual partner before. Right. And his response was, okay, thanks for letting me know. I will close my mouth a little bit more and not jam my tongue down your throat when we're kissing. I'm like, just back off. Just a little softer, a little, <laughs> not so blah. <laughs> but like, I had never had the guts to just be so frank previously. Right. Because I was afraid that it would, you know, I, I'm sure you don't know anything about the fragility of the male ego. What? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but it oh. wasn't, it's not that he's not fragile, but he's just not fragile there. Right. He's not fragile in the places where he needs and wants to grow and learn and change. And that is a huge point, isn't it? Because Hello. Yes. And it's okay to be fragile, but then get help for that mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Get help for that part. Get support. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's often where some of the, the juicy transformation takes place, but <laughs> where we carry that shit around for decades because it's the most terrifying yeah. parts, isn't it? But I think you and Gay are both did and Todd and I too a, a lot of work mm-hmm. to be ready for the relationship that we now have yeah, yeah. I for my part was I had to be happy without a relationship genuinely before he came along mm-hmm. and it took some work and I was assisting a kind of neo-tantra teacher at the time and she was running a lot of couple stuff and I was there as a single person and ouchy and ooh, it hurt and the couples were showing up for each other and I was like oh they weren't showing up for me you know all Aww. that kind of thing and then one day we were. I was assisting. It was the first day, and she was going around the room, and each couple was saying why they were there, mm-hmm. and each individual. And I found myself, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's lovely. And it got around to me. I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm all right being it, like on my own in this couple's workshop. It was yeah. the first time. It was such a light bulb moment. And you know, within days, 
Todd Roach walked into my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It had to be a genuine feeling, though. Once I was like, I don't need it, there he was. I will tell you, once I gave the ultimatum to the universe, I said, God, you know what? I'm out of here if you don't do this thing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I 103% knew that that was not going to happen. It was just the beginning of my letting go. Right. It was honestly my saying, you know what? I I shot my shot. I did the very best I could. I felt like I did really good work. And I had done my own personal process to realize that the idea that I had that I could make a living in the BDSM world teaching other kinky folks about BDSM was completely false because no one was doing it. Right. I looked around and I thought people were doing it. And then when I sat and I analyzed it and I opened my pattern recognition eye, I saw that all of those people that I was trying to model myself after had partners with quote unquote day jobs. Right. All of them had someone supporting them. Interesting. Of that cohort of like the 12 or 14 or so people I was looking at, every single one of them had a partner who was supporting them. Wow. And I was like, I am attempting the impossible. This is a side gig. Yeah. The way the community is structured, I can't do this. Right. And it's not because you're not enough no. or you're a failure. Nope. And it's, I was like, okay, that's great. The structure. Thank you. I'm out. I'm done. Mm. Fuck this. Unless, of course. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> and then I went about my business and I was like, no, 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 no. I had three weeks until the end of the month and then I was going to go and start poking around Wells Fargo and Bank of America, see if I could wiggle my way, weasel my way into some corporate personal assistant work because that's easy for me as a sub and a slave, right? Like it's a no-brainer. Right. I get to boss around executives, basically. I'm like, this is my job. And take care of them. Which, have we, oh, I looked at the wrong number. I thought we'd been going for two hours. But no, no, it's an hour. But it is an hour. Okay, so how do we wind this up? (laughs) Thank you. What the fuck are you doing with your life? I. How can people talk to you if they want to talk to you? Okay, so my website is RebeccaLarry.com or sexualalchemy.com, and I'm all over the social media. R-E-B-E-C-C-A-L-O-W-R-I-E. Oh, my God. No one ever gets that. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you, King Kink Doula? K-I-N-K-D-O-U-L-A dot com. Don't go to Molina.com right now because it's apparently been hacked once again by Russian bots. Oh, my God. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that. And, yeah, if you are interested at all in what I'm offering for Kink Doula and you are thinking that you would like to sign up, I have a 15-minute consultation session available through Kink Doula. You will find it. There's a link there. You can go on Calendly and find 15 minutes that we can chat, and we can see if that's something that would work out for us. Amazing. And stay tuned, because I think that, like, I don't, I don't know where it is, but I'm like, someday I'm going to figure out what we're going to do. Oh, I know. Like, I don't know what I think is. I was like, it's going to be a thing. I was like, I'm not even going to worry about it. No, it's going to be a thing. It's There's going to be the point where we're just going to be like, holy shit. Yes, that's <laughs> fucking it. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. wait. Okay, and I also want to say that my website, I made the front page like as if I kind of knew where I was going, but then <laughs> the rest of the website is still very sexual alchemy. So, because I'm doing a bit of both. Yeah. But, but, so, yeah, come do some sexual alchemy. Yeah. Like, if you are mm-hmm. a male identified mm-hmm. person who needs to alchemize, yeah. I can't recommend personally, but I can recommend (laughs) vicariously as my owner and husband has worked with Rebecca very beautifully over the years. So there's my endorsement. Thank you. (laughs) And I attended a kink doula workshop on Saturday and I can tell you, I'm still reeling from it. It was amazing. You attended the first kink doula retreat. It was amazing. Intensive, intensive. Intensive. It was an intensive. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I think in a minute, I'm just going to hit stop. Because we're going to keep talking. I know. I love okay. you. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Bye. 
You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.